0: Welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray Heron, and joining me as usual, it is the one, the only Matthew Day Gillett. Hello. Hey man, how's your week been? Oh, I've had a busy, busy week, but I've had a very wet week. Anyone living in the Wellington region will know we've had seven solid days of rain. And I'm not just saying, you know, it rained one day and then fined up or, you know, it's just been overcast. It has actually rained non-stop. Whether it be the itty-bitty stinging rain or the big old fat rain, thank you, Forrest Gump, it has rained constantly for seven days, 24 hours a day, and it's been so depressing. Oh, but
1: nice to go to sleep at night, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, first couple of days. Listening to rain on the roof, all romantic and stuff. First couple of days, yeah, it's all
0: good. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, the third day, the backyard turns into solid mud, and then the dog goes out for, you know, to, to, to do dog stuff in the woods, and then comes back and his mud through the house. and. <laughs> Everything's wet and, you know, my one saving grace is I wasn't riding my motorcycle, you know, commuting. I'm not back in the office yet, so uh, I didn't have to um, try and dry my gear out every single one of those days. But a day or two of rain's fine, but man, seven solid days. And you know, on a, I don't know if you do the thing on a Sunday night, you bring up your phone and you go, oh, what's the weather doing for the week? And you literally, every day for the next, you know, seven days on the weather app had rain, 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 rain. I was like, serious? This can't, this it can't be, this can't be right. But no, it was. It actually, I've seen... I saw a tuft of blue sky outside today, and I see tonight we've got a few stars. Oh. It's literally been solid the whole time. Actually, I didn't see the other side of the valley until Thursday. <laughs>
1: oh, jeez. It sounds like you've had a hard. We to go week, on man. about
0: the weather. <laughs> we like to moan about the weather, don't we? We like to. But, man, it's just been one of those weeks. Um, very shortly in the podcast, I'm going to let, you know, let you know about my new bits and my new gear, but what have you been up to this week? Me, um, I've been planning with the wife
1: the uh, eventual return of... Uh, Uh, my rally, um, which, um, yeah, we're trying to time it so that I don't have to back pay the registration because nothing sucks more than paying for two months of registration when you haven't actually used the bike. Um, So, um, yeah, current plan is to uh, head over to the Coromandel in early August, um, sometime between now and then get dad to take uh, the bike for a warrant of fitness because, get this, warrants of fitness over there, he was complaining about the price. $35, he was outraged and I was like, shit dad, you come get a WAF in Cambridge, it's $65 here Um, so, wow, yeah so I'm going to get him to sort out a WAF for the bike so I can register it and ride it all the way back home in uh, August and um, yeah, then what else have I been doing? Um, Just tapping away at the keyboard trying to keep on throttle.co.nz up to date, because there's been a whole lot of news coming out lately, uh, as well as running the news Kiwi Rider magazine. Um, and yeah, just a lot of general fantasizing as usual, sitting in my rumpus room where the bike normally sits, to go, oh, yeah, it'll sit over there. I think, and looking at my new bits, because I've got new bits too. All
0: right, well, I'll tell you about my new bits, and then you can tell me about your new bits. Uh, so from our mates, I, by the way, this episode is probably, it's it's almost like an unofficial sponsorship of this show, uh, because most of our new bits, I think, have come from uh, the good people at Eurobike Wholesale in the mighty Taranaki, uh, who are the agents for GV and uh, Regina Chains and uh, Hivik and... And heaps of stuff, heaps of stuff. So, I've got some new riding gear. Uh, So, let's wind back the clock. It's 2014, it's September, and I just flew down to Dunedin to pick up my brand new MTO 7 right? Yep. And while I was there, I picked up a new jacket, a new helmet, and new pants, riding pants. Uh, So, I wore them commuting every single day for six years that's a Bloody good effort. <laughs> exactly. The occasional road trip, uh, they leak in the crutch. They're just they're done. The riding gear's done. As much as I liked my Yamaha branded jacket, it's gone. <laughs> it's it's time to it's time to put it to bed. So the the team at uh, Eurobike Wholesale have sent me a brand new kit of Hivik Now the H E V I K, it's a brand new brand into the country. In fact, the only uh store that's stocking it at the moment is the guys out of Blenheim uh, Beatnik Moto. Have you heard of them
1: before? I have. They do uh, Ducati tours. Um, they're real Ducati heads down there. Yeah. Um, they do tours. They have a whole range of um, very interesting and very cool kit. Uh, very beautiful shop premises. I'd love to say that I've actually been there but I haven't. Um, my former employer went down for a holiday and hung out with them and uh, from all accounts it's an absolutely brilliant place to start by if you're in the area.
0: Yeah so following, um, the, following COVID-19 level 4 lock down and all that jazz uh, a lot of tourism's dried up so they've sold off a a bit of their uh, their you know tour motorcycle fleet uh, and they've beefed up their store so they're now stocking and uh, selling to the 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 surrounding areas and all the riders down there a whole bunch of new brands Uh, they're also they're also selling the cardo gear um, but Hivik is one of the brands that they've taken on board. Uh, so if you're keen on it, go to uh, Eurobike.co.nz, have a look at it, and you can buy it from the guys at, at uh, Beatnik Moto. So I got the j- jacket and the pants. I've got the Titanium R range. Okay, sounds fancy, man. It does. It comes with um, all the. Uh, it comes with all the armor, and it's all uh, CE rated and all that kind of jazz. I'm just looking at the. Wait. Which you'd hope for out of um, a set of new riding gear, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, Uh, you would. But... It also comes with pockets so you can expand the gear or change it out for higher rated gear and that sort of thing, which is one of the features, one of the many features that this gear has that you kind of really only find on that high-end, really expensive gear. Yep, so yep. in many ways, this Hewitt gear has the, the high-end features for that mid-range price, which is really cool. So um, apart from the the English and some of the documentation, I've got to say, this thing in front of me says uh note don't fold the protector for a long tome stop to use the protector if it appear cracked
1: <laughs> so i'm guessing that's the back protector or the armor.
0: <laughs> so this is uh, one the, 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 that was that was a small note on some of the collateral that comes. You know how your jacket comes with like fifteen tags. One of the tags is about the uh, the armor, which is Beetle B E E T L E. It's Hilton Tech. Uh, that tells you all about the uh, the armor. Uh, YFprotector.com dot You can you can check this out later on. Um, the waterproofing in the jacket is Humac. Membrane Power Skin so that's another piece of collateral that that comes with it. Uh, Finally though I've got to the actual um, collateral about the jacket so Hivik Titanium R. It is three layers, it has uh, you know your outer shell, it's got your waterproof layer and then it's got a thermal layer as well. Now you can remove, you can mix and match so if you know middle of summer you don't necessarily need that thermal layer. Um if you're going for a ride and you, and you know it's not going to rain you can ditch the waterproof layer as well but also the outer shell layer has waterproofing capabilities as well so you've got two layers of waterproofing plus your thermal layer uh, and some of the other features that I mentioned earlier some of those high end features and it's things that you don't realise that you are missing until you get them things like uh, on the inside one of the inner layers has elastic around the cuffs and around the the you know, around your, your waist. So you're not going to, you're not riding along, getting the draft up the cuffs and up your sleeves of your jacket and going down your back, which, you know, you've probably seen riders, Matt, riding down the motorway with a big billowy flappy jacket behind them.
1: Oh, heck yeah. Um, normally it, when I've seen it, it's because they haven't had their jacket done up because they're complaining about heat or something. Um, but yeah, the other one, the other way of getting around that, i sorry to sidetrack you, but it's when they zip together, and it's always such a pain in the butt to zip your trowel and your jacket together at times, especially if you want to take your jacket off. Uh, if you go into a cafe or whatever, you've got to take your jacket off and it just flops down and hits you in the back of the ass.
0: Well, this um, this heavy gear has that function and it does zip together. I haven't done it. I've never actually had uh, gear from, you know, pants and jacket from the same manufacturer, so i never, it's never been compatible. But um, I will give that a go and I'll let you know how annoying that is since you've already mentioned it. But, you know, just little features like the elastic around the calves it stops that wind going inside your jacket and i mean you can fix that by tightening up the cuffs on your other jacket or you know putting big gloves over your wrists but it's not something i've ever worried about until i encountered it on this havoc gear and i went oh that's a really nice feature um something else that i haven't made use of yet because it's been so wet but i will i look forward to making use of it in summer is it's got these massive uh, ear vents uh and and like the basically you unzip the air vent and then you fold it open and then it's got a fastener so it stays right open and so the massive massive air intakes there is two on your chest and then there's some on the back as well as some on your pants so you've got intakes and exhaust so you can get that airflow uh, in the middle of summer when uh, you're, you' you can use this gear in, in, for adventure riding as well as road riding so when you're adventure riding and you're actually working hard on a, on a dirt trail or something you really want to get that airflow and you want to be cooling yourself down. So that's another feature that's really really good of this Hivik stuff. Plus it just looks the business. I'll um, chuck some photos up on the Facebook page. You can check them out. There's been a lot of interest in this gear. Uh, People have seen me wearing it and riding it and said oh what is that? (laughs) it would be handy for you. Hey um we're going to do a full story uh, on the Havoc gear and everything once I've had a chance to actually do some road uh, miles, some hours wearing it. Uh, but that's just a little bit of a tease. Do check it out. Go to uh, eurobike.co.nz uh, and check out Havoc or just check out uh, Beatnik Moto's uh, website and Facebook and Instagram.
1: I've got to ask you before we move on to another topic. With all that rain you've been complaining about, have you actually gone outside running around in your bike gear to test the waterproofness? No, I haven't. <laughs> Oh come on man
0: i could have and i probably should have to be fair but i didn't but to be fair regardless of you know how waterproof your gear is long term new gear is always good new gear is usually if it says it's waterproof 99% of the time it's going to be waterproof so it's, you've got to you've, I find that you've got to put um, some decent K's on some gear uh, before you know just how waterproof it is yeah exactly hey but some other bits and pieces that I've um, been playing with you might have seen it on social media but I've got to say a massive thank you to Rodney and the team at Eurobike for it as well I've got a brand new Regina chain and some sprockets front and rear on the MT-07 uh Um, So I uh, did the whole lockdown thing and did the air filter and the oil filter and the oil and everything like that and did a full service on the bike. But then we did about a 1,000 k's uh, on a road trip with... Ben which you missed out on Matt still a bit green with envy over that to be honest and then I got home and got a new chain and sprockets on the bike because I I parked the bike up after doing you know probably 9 hours riding in the rain and then the next day I had to go and take the bike out and the chain just did that whole clack 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 I'm not happy I'm not going to turn I'm bound up I'm uh," there thing you know and so I went you know what no you are done out and uh, I got the new chain and sprockets and man Rodney really nailed it. I know it's not just Rodney that works there but Rodney's kind of the point of contact that I've been dealing with and I said to him I think I want to do a new chain and sprockets and then he just hit me with all the information and asked me the questions and you know there's actually about 3 or 4 different types of uh, chain link you can get, I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, so you can get, I think it's type 43 or type 42 and basically there's about 2 or 3 different uh, rivet types and then there's some like clip types and the clip ones are okay but apparently they're mainly only for dirt bikes or something like that. Maybe you'd be alright with a clip one. But I got a Type 40... I think it was a Type forty-four or a Type forty-three. I'd have to go back looking. Anyway, uh, got it all done. Got the new chain and sprockets on the bike. Uh, had a chance to you know clean inside the we, um, the you know the the cover that goes over the front sprocket. And yeah, I cleaned up inside there because when you use certain oils and lubricants, it kind of accumulates in there. And yeah. Goes all gross.
1: Yeah, all the road grime as well that gets kicked up off the road.
0: And so not only did Rodney at Eurobike know, you know, all the ins and outs of what I needed to get this whole project done on my bike, uh, but he he had it to me literally the next day. So it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I said, yep, go. Here's my credit card details. And by 10 o'clock the next morning, there's a courier package on my front door. Like, that's... That, yeah. In non-COVID times, that's good. Considering the pressure that your um, your couriers and everyone else is under, like, that's that's just brilliant. That,
1: that is astonishing, to be honest. Um, yeah, we're trying to get, like, the wife orders a few things to the kids and you order it, it comes, just has to come from Hamilton, not that far, 30Ks. And sometimes it's taken over a week. It's just mind-boggling. Mm, mm, mm.
0: So check out uh, eurobike.co.nz, uh, heaps of bits in there, they're, they're the uh, the importers for Scott Euler as well which is the next kind of big thing that I'm quite keen to put on my bike, um, apparently they uh, increase the length the longevity the life of your chain and sprockets which is quite cool uh, but anyway uh, I did say at the start of this episode it was kind of an unofficial um, episode sponsorship by Eurobike that's enough of a wall of words from me Matt talk us through your new bits and pieces yes
1: yeah, so um, I didn't quite go as extensive as you because I don't have a physical bike to service at the moment because it's currently in the Coromandel um, but I've been is that- is it really? Yeah,
0: it's, oh, I wasn't sure. I wasn't
1: aware of that. I, no, it's not, it's not here with me. But I've been organising the bits to service it because it is overdue for an um, oil change. Um, technically, Honda claims that it can go 12,000 Ks in between oil changes, but...
0: How many Ks have you done on that, Rosie, since you bought it? Um, I think we're up to about 8,000 Ks. Wow, that's more than I thought.
1: Yeah, um, it's all those road trips and trips up to Auckland and whatnot. Um, but anyway, so I first up, I had a blue Wing honda who are the importers and distributors of honda motorcycles and asked them to give me the bits and pieces i need to service so air filter um yeah sump plug washer because it's crush washer and i don't want an oil leak into my fairing um oil filter and the oil filter cover has a special gasket on it on the crf 250l so i ordered that as well currently i'm still waiting on the oil filter and the gasket um which hey it's fine i don't have the bike to work on at the moment anyway um but um just need to grab some oil and as soon as the bike's back in my hands i will be giving it uh, my first service because i haven't worked on a bike in forever and i'm really looking forward to it um but more excitingly and back on the Eurobike bike topic um hit them up um, because i need luggage for my little crf250l um, because
0: okay, so you, previous road trips that you and I have done, uh, you did, you rocked a, a tank bag and a backpack.
1: Yeah, yeah. and like, it did the job. The tank bag itself, I only recently hiffed in the bin, and it was 12 years old. Um, it was an Oxford first-timers tank bag. Can't remember how big it was. It must have been about 10 litres or something. Um, yeah, about 10, maybe 20 litres fully expanded. Um, it was a decent tank bag, but it didn't fit on top of the tank well on the CRF250L. Um, just there's not enough steel there from the tank to hold the magnets in place. Um, the strap that goes around the head socket long broken off um it was still waterproof and still did the trick but on my last ride i had my dslr camera in there and i was having fun on kariotahi beach in auckland and i went to get my turned around went to get my camera out of the bag and the bag was gone <laughs> it had and i had it bungeed i'd done everything i could to make sure it was secure and it was just gone um, luckily some fishermen had picked it up and they waved me down and um Well, they woke me down and I gave them a friendly way back and kept on riding and then talked to a bloke on a Kawasaki dirt bike and he goes oh yeah there's some fishermen down the way Um, saw a tank bag pull off a bike maybe it's yours oh sweet Um, so yeah anyway that tank bag it wasn't doing the job anymore so I hiffed it and a backpack well backpacks are not exactly comfortable over long trips. So uh, Rodney and the team at Eurobike hooked me up with some GV luggage. Uh, I actually said it vaguely correctly that time as well. So I'll tell you exactly what I got. So I got a tail bag, a 40 litre waterproof EA115 in uh, stunning red and black to match the motorbike. Um, So this is a really decent sized bag, like I'll pull it down now it's currently uh, take a look at that bad boy. Wow,
0: that's huge, is that actually going to go on your bike?
1: It's going to sit on the back, it's a tail bag um, it's currently not. It
0: does it go sideways or, or long ways? It can go either way um, so wow. that's 40
1: litres um, of storage capacity right now it's got my adventure helmet in it um, and it's still got plenty of space um, with the peak fully extended and everything so my plan with that is I have a sleeping bag and originally the idea was I was going do the cold Kiwi. I needed stuff to carry all my stuff down to Ruapehu with um, and my sleeping bag does not compress down. It's a cheap warehouse sleeping bag. It does the job but it's bulky and I wanted to be able to fit that, my tent and a uh, bedroll into something that was waterproof that could keep it out of the elements and voila! (laughs) that is gonna definitely do the job unfortunately the cold kiwi as we know is not gonna happen so uh, I've come up with a plan B with dad um, and we are going to do a warm kiwi we're going to go right up into Northland and stay in Taipa and do a couple of day trips and then ride all the way back down Um, but that means um, I still have room well need for other bits and pieces so I got these bad boys and they are very, very fetching. I find
0: cool. So they're the GV um, panniers. So you have got straps that go over the the tail of your bike, and they hang down the sides. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they're just they're, they're the new ones as well. They're called the GRT Seven One Eight pannier bags. They replace the uh, previous model, which was called the GRT Seven Zero Eight. They're fully waterproof. Um, what's the rating here? It's IPX five. So it means you can point a hose at it, a regular garden hose on a high highish pressure, and it should keep everything inside dry. Um, if you put a water blaster at it, then not so sure. Um, but I'm going to test that later as well um, once I have the ba- uh, the bike back in my uh, grips and I can do a bit of video with it. Uh, but they're 15 litres a piece. Um, they can take a whole heap of stuff according to the photos on the Europe Bike website, which um, is a very extensive uh, amount of kit they've got. What? A jumper, two sh- shirts, yeah, oh, f- two shirts, two shorts, some undershirts, a set of a set of sh- sneakers, um whole lot of kit that you can apparently fit into these uh penny bags so um yeah but i'm mostly excited because they're gonna look sweet um because they're not gonna stick out too much um i don't know how familiar you are with the other panniers on the market right but a lot of them are sort of like the same shape as your yamaha ones that are you've got on the MTO 7 sort of they stick out
0: kind of angular and, and aerodynamic kind of shape kind of yeah thing. but they sort of not square. Yeah, they do
1: stick out a wee bit, um, and yeah. like I've had a look at a few of them, and what I like about the GV ones here is they're quite flat. Um, so they're not going to stick out too far off the side of the bike so if the bike falls down hopefully um, they're not going to impact the ground as readily as some other panniers.
0: Hey so question on those panniers, is there like a bracket or something that goes on the bike or do they just, they just sling oh, over? No they just
1: sling over, they're universally fit, they've got um, so uh, hard backing on one side um, and yeah you just throw them over the suit uh, they did come with a few extra straps as well um, and yeah, like you can, like you got all these extra clips and whatnot. So I love the sound of the clips. They just go. Hey,
0: so question on that: How do you like? Um, how do you stop them swinging into the back wheel? They go underneath
1: your seat. So you uh, pop your seat up, sling them over, pop your seat down, and that holds them in place.
0: Right, and they, they kind of lean up against the, the, for want of a better term, on your bike, the number boards?
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's my understanding anyway. I haven't got the bike here to test fit them, um, but it's basically going by the imagery on the Eurobike website, Eurobike.co.nz, um, they just sling underneath your seat and um, the pressure of your seat holds them in place. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to using those. I've always wanted a set of panniers for my bikes. Never, ever did
0: it. So that's a a taste of what's coming up on the podcast over the next few months. We'll be uh, reporting back once we've used all of this kit and letting you know how it goes. Um, And and if you want to see photos of it, uh, again, um, eurobike.co.nz is the website. Literally everything they sell, and they do sell a lot of stuff, is up on their website. Most of it, even with... uh, Videos that um, that Rodney's organised himself, showing you the kit. So uh, jump on the Eurobike.co.nz and uh, get amongst. Hey, that's a lot of stuff of us yarning. Shall we do some more yarning, only in a slightly more formal uh, setting? Let's do the news. And our first story in the news is Triumph. Uh, it's not really a Triumph though. They're cutting 400 jobs and a lot of those from their uh, their base in Britain.
1: Yeah, it's a bit rough, isn't it? Um, again, it's one of those things that's been attributed to the COVID-19 pandemic which is really, really uh, crummy, but it is affecting all sorts of uh, motorcycle manufacturers as well. Um, so just a uh, quick quote from John Bloor, who's the CEO of Triumph Motorcycles. These are not easy decisions to make, especially when individuals' livelihoods are affected. However, regrettably, the scale of impact of COVID-19 necessitates us to restructure now in order to protect the long-term health and success of the Triumph brand and
0: business. So Triumph Motorcycles is based in Lincolnshire, uh, which they employ uh, 2,500 people worldwide. 240 of those redundancies are said to be from the UK.
1: Yeah, that's, that's rough, but Yeah, everyone's going through it. Um, And yeah, Triumph are actually positioned really well at the moment to ride out this pandemic and come out in a pretty decent spot in terms of where they sit in the market. Other manufacturers like Harley-Davidson just look like they're sliding and sliding and sliding and they can't put the brakes on. It's a scary time to be in the motorcycle biz, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel for anyone who has, um, their livelihood and their job has been affected by this COVID-19. Hey, but in other news... Kawasaki Ninja ZX25R. Pricing has been revealed. Yes. And there's been a bit of a storm on the internet about this.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I'm Just going by um, the onthrottle.co.nz uh, web stats, everyone, well, a lot of people are very keen on the spike until they read the price. <laughs> um, which, um, let's face it, um, the spec of the spike, it is a 250 yes, but it is not
0: targeted at the Lamb's rider or a 250 Not Lamb's approved. Approved. Not in your life. They're calling this their four-cylinder screamer.
1: Yeah, and it will set you back a pretty penny. $15,990
0: is what Kawasaki New Zealand has confirmed. And what most people on the internet are saying is, fifteen grand for a 250 that's not even lambs approved? What? You're dreaming! <laughs> I know, and most people are very misguided, I believe. Okay, so tell us why. Because that was my... When you first, in our group, Chat said, "X25R, 250cc, four-cylinder. It's going to be awesome." And here's the price. I went, "Whatever. <laughs> Who's going to buy that?" I, I had the exact same response. So, so tell me what I'm missing out on here.
1: Uh, 17,000 RPM redline, which that's where you get your screamer from. Sh- fully adjustable suspension, uh, which is show a big piston, um, separate function forks. Decent braking system. What else did I say? Um, just having a gander. So yes, show a separate function, big piston forks paired with adjustable shock at the rear, quick shifter factory in a 250 uh, ABS power modes, traction control, an aluminium swing arm, high tensile steel chassis which has been developed off of the Ninja H2s, uh, monoblock radial mounted dual piston front brakes, six speed transmission, um, and again a. Inline four-cylinder engine that is 250 cc's and screams to 17,000 rpm.
0: Yeah, so this is not the bike you buy when you're, you know, on your learner license, restricted license, and looking to learn to ride or looking to learn to do some track work and then wanting to move up. Right, this is the bike you buy when maybe you're a little bit uh, height-adverse,d uh, and you you want to rag on your bike and ride on the absolute living e- edge of it. Uh, but still, you know, have a reasonably priced bike. Is, is that more where we're, where we're going with
1: it? Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a stupidly fun bike. Like, you know, I ride a 250, I enjoy small capacity bikes. I've ridden leader bikes, I've ridden the ZX 10R. Um, you can't really enjoy that bike on our roads, it just doesn't work. Um, you can sit in first gear and even break the open road speed limit on that thing. Um, This is gonna be an engaging, small capacity bike that you can work, you can enjoy, um, and it's gonna be really, really odd sitting in the market because it's going to be in its own little corner because all of the other Japanese manufacturers have long, long abandoned the 250cc four-cylinder because it was so expensive. Um, If you recall, all the ones that we sort of talked about in the group chat, they were all popular in the 80s and 90s when Japan was in that giant economic bubble and we got all those super cool cars, super cool bikes. So
0: this is like when they they were talking about the grey imports, right? Something that was never actually released here but people managed to import them
1: yeah and so that includes the likes of like the CBR 250RR Hurricane which back when you and I were getting our licenses and we were capped at 250 cc's that was basically the bike you wanted it was reliable really really fun sporty 250 Um, this just amps everything up and I'm I'm not gonna say I'd buy one if I had the 16 grand um, because track riding and riding fast just doesn't really interest me that much at the moment. But um, there are definitely people out there that will be absolutely chomping at the bit to have a go at this thing. Um, And who knows, maybe it's going to get like the likes of Yamaha or Honda getting in behind it. I can't quite see Suzuki jumping on board with uh, another four cylinder 250. Um, But yeah, it might spark something if it's a success. But again, that $15,990 price point is a bit of a sticking point. So um, anyway, Kawasaki has opened up uh, the pre-order sheet for these things. Uh, If you're really, really keen on one of them, hit up your local Kawasaki dealer. Um, Kawasaki's marketing coordinator told me um, a week or so, So I go, the pre-order is subject to a factory minimum order requirement. So fingers crossed we get enough orders to tell us that it is feasible at that price point. Uh, The first factory order window has closed, They closed on the 12th of June, uh, with delivery scheduled for December if the delivery minimum requirements are met. Uh, If it's not, they will try again uh, next month's factory order, but the next order will land in early 2021. So if we're lucky, we'll be seeing some of these arrive at the end of the year.
0: Tell you what, if I had 16 grand, uh, although that sounds like a, a cool bike to play with, uh, it's not the top of my wish list. And um,
1: What's at the top of your
0: wish list? You can probably <laughs> guess. Uh, the top of my wish list is one of three bikes at this stage. One of which I haven't ridden. Uh, and I hate, sorry to, 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 to hijack the story, but uh, we're talking obviously the T7, definitely the uh, 790 Adventure R. You know, both of them are up there. I haven't decided which is my favourite yet because I haven't ridden the T7, but also... The 790 is six grand more expensive though remember it is if you go for the R model but also well if you're going to get it you've got to get the good model you know
1: I don't know I've heard a lot of good things about the uh, inverted commas
0: base model um, well, the third the third bike in that group is the Africa Twin. Ooh, the
1: thousand or the new eleven hundred.
0: I don't know. I haven't ridden either of them, but you know they're all up there. <laughs> so out of those three bikes, at the top of my wish list, there's only one I've ridden, which was the Adventure R. So you know, who knows what the uh, what the new year will bring? Because that'll be you know, it, it, I won't be doing anything until 2021. That's for sure. We have some more news to k- crack on with though and we're talking a revised MotoGP calendar for the rest of this year.
1: Yeah, so, um, basically, thank you, COVID, you ruined most sports for everyone. MotoGP's, um, top people, uh, Dawn of Sports and the FIM, have um, debuted a 17 race schedule for the remainder of the 2020 season. Um, This is off the back of the cancellation of the Australian GP, the Japanese GP. I can't remember, there was another GP that they axed, but we have a calendar. So the first race is scheduled for the 19th of July, which will be the Spanish GP. Uh, That will be followed by the Andalusian GP, uh, also in Spain. They're all held. Both of these races will be held at Jerez. Uh, The 9th of August, the Czech Republic GP takes on, uh, I can't even pronounce it, B-R-N-O Autodrom. Followed by the 16th of August, the Austrian GP at the Red Bull Ring. The 23rd of August, so the following weekend again, the Styria GP will also be at the Red Bull Ring. 13th of September, the San Marino and Riviera Riviera, Riviera di Rimini GP at uh, Misano. That will be followed on the 20th by another Emilia Romagna GP at Masano also. Uh, that's followed by the Catalan GP on the 27th of September in Barcelona. 11th October French GP. 8th October Aragon GP followed by the Teruel GP also at Aragon. Then we move into the Europe GP which uh, can't say I've really heard of the Europe GP before, but that and the following Valencia GP on the 15th of November are at Valenciana. Don't know where that is.
0: I'm glad it's you doing this. You with your private school upbringing and, you know... (laughs) a Private school. Northcote College represents Trips overseas and stuff. I don't know any of these places. Somewhere (laughs) overseas. You know, the furthest away I've been is LA and I went there to go to Disneyland. Yeah,
1: well, um, Valencia and Europe GP... Is Valencia in, like, uh, I want to say Switzerland, maybe? I don't know. Um, But, yeah.
0: Hang on, hang on. Where? Valencia. Is, how do you spell it? V-E-L-I-N-C-I-A? Yeah. I'm going to say Spain. Three, two, one. Spain.
1: I knew something! You did. Um, So, there's four more races on top of that uh, wall of words, um, which are currently to be confirmed that's the America's GP at the circuit of the Americas the Argentina GP um, uh, the Thai GP and the Malaysian GP
0: Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, the Argentina one is going to be in that country Thai is going to be in Thailand and Malaysian one's going to be in Malaysia
1: yeah if they can get there because um, as you may have noticed none of those tracks are in Europe where everything else was Um, and with the global pandemic, America may have been into a crisp by then. Um, who
0: knows? Hang on, hang on. Where is Argent? Oh, you're right. Argentina's not in Europe. Wow.
1: <laughs> Do I need to uh, call up my old high school teacher? I have to Google Thailand
0: and Malaysia. Where is... Ma- oh, Malaysia's not in Europe either. Hey, hey. <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah. So there's four races that could happen if things go their way. I'm going to put it out there. Say, I'm not really confident the America's GP is gonna happen. The Argentina GP, yep, Thai GP, most likely Malaysian GP. Probably, you know, actually, but um, yeah. We'll we'll see what actually happens because for all we know, big second wave of the virus could hit and none of it could happen.
0: So now nice. at this point, we're up to seven cases in this country and we had none a week ago. How depressing is that? Doesn't that just annoy you? Oh, totally. And it's not even the pe- it's not even the two people who did the trip the length of the country that I'm annoyed at. It's the the people that should have been testing them and saying, actually, no, you can't leave. Uh, it seems it seems like, and I don't want to sound too much like Jock McGlock in here, but it seems like the powers that be have, got, have done a great job getting us through the initial thing, and now the wheels are falling off. But that rounds off the news. And I want to play a new game with you, Matt. I want to play a game. The game is called... Motorbike or motor bull bullshit. There you go. Motorbike or motor bullshit. Essentially, Matt, I'm going to throw model models of motorcycle at you. Yeah. And you got to tell me whether they are motorbikes or motor bullshit.
1: All right.
0: <laughs> this is going to put my knowledge to the test. So I've got a few here. Some I've made up and some are actual motorbikes. And you just gotta say, motorbike or motor bullshit. Are you ready? Yeah. CL 350. Motorbike. Correct! It is a 1969 Honda CL 350. Next one. The FT490. Ooh,
1: I wanna say, I wanna say bike.
0: I want to say you're wrong <laughs> The FT490 is something I made up Here we go with another one That's one to you And one to me so far The HA850 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 Is the HA850 a motorbike or motor bullshit?
1: Motor bullshit.
0: Yes! Again, something I made up. Uh, So that's two to you, one to me. Here we go with the CG350.
1: CG350. I want to say motorbike.
0: It is a motorbike from the summer of 69, 1969 Honda CG350 is a motorbike. How about an MR50, a small bore engine, the MR50 could appeal to you as the resident small bore expert and lover?
1: I want to say motorbike.
0: Corrects. It is the Honda MR50 from uh, the seventies. How about a PJ290? Uh,
1: motor bullshit.
0: Corrects. You've only got you've, you've <laughs> got what? Uh, I've lost count of the score so far. I've got a few more to throw at you, but uh, you've definitely you're definitely winning this game. It's motorbike <laughs> or motor bullshit. Here we go. An LJ80. Uh, motorbike. It is a motorbike, a Suzuki LJ80. How about a PL250? Oh, I'm going to
1: flip a coin and go motorbike.
0: Motor bullshit. that's ah. something I made up, and the last one I've got for you is a TM400. Motorbike or scooter. Ding, 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 ding. Congratulations. Uh, Definitely more winners than losers in that round. Uh, I think I got definitely two wrong. It sounds about right to me, in fact. Motorbike or motor bullshit will return next week, uh, if I remember, because uh, I thought that was quite fun. Motorbike or motor bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet, and I'll get all of them wrong because I have no knowledge of old-school bikes. I have no knowledge of old-school bikes either. (laughs) (laughs) That pretty much rounds us off for this episode, so thank you very much for listening, as we usually do. Let's finish it off with a dad joke. I was in the supermarket the other day when a guy threw me a block of cheddar. Outraged, I shouted, well, that's not very mature, is it? Because cheddar is a very young block of cheese. It's not, like, tasty you know ah, uh, where mainland cheese comes from roundabout about where you're from I'm gonna say mainland is South Island yeah I, don't know. <laughs> I know I knew I know I used to go through Edendale which was there was the only thing in Edendale was a cheese factory and that's about three quarters of the way to Invercargill yeah. sounds like a place to stop well if you're ever down that way yeah if they ever do another um Vertman Road Challenge or something yeah it'll be nice right this is Kiwi Rider Podcast hey thank you very much for sticking with us we absolutely love to have your input in the show whether you're uh, telling us about your bike, telling us about a ride you've been doing recently, uh, you want to tell us that we're idiots so we don't know what we're on about, you can email us podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram as well. New Kiwi Rider magazine came out last week so wrap your laughing gear around that absolutely free for you to read download on your smartphone your tablet your computer your laptop whatever it might be go to kiwirider.co.nz or just search and google Kiwi Rider Jumag, jomag yeah that's pretty much it hit that like button hit that subscribe button we'd love to hear from you make sure you do all of that uh and share this uh, podcast with a writing buddy of yours until next time I've been Ray I've been Matt keep the rubber side down throttle on and we'll catch you in 7 days time